have your Bible, um, open it to the book of Joshua. Joshua is in the Old Testament. He uh, is, I think, the sixth book of the Bible, something like that. Um, we're going to get in there in just a minute, Joshua, and we'll be in chapter one. So <clears throat> I'm at the pool, and I'm just kind of floating, and it's one of my favorite things to do, just float and feel weightless. When you're a big guy, you like to feel weightless, and since you can't go into outer space, like pools are good for that. So I'm just kind of floating in the hotel pool, and uh, there's a young dad and his daughter, uh, young daughter, uh, at the pool, and the daughter is at the side of the pool, uh, like the water's right here, and she's on the side, and they're on the deep end, which is, you know, like five, five feet maybe tall, like the dad's shoulders and head are above the water, and she wants to jump in, and the dad is right there, and the dad says, come on, honey, you can do it. Just jump in. I'll catch you. And she's like, I'm scared. He's like, that's all right. You know, I'm here. I'll catch you. And she's like, <laughs> and she doesn't jump in, you know, but, but she's thinking about it. And the dad's like, come on, you can do it. Do it. Do it. Jump in. I'll catch you. And, and the longer she waits, the more frustrated the dad gets until at the end he says, look, I'm your dad. Trust me jump and I'm like oh that's the way to like inspire courage in your kid right come on and I thought about that and I thought you know I think some of us believe that's the way God feels about us he starts with come on you can do it and then over time he gets frustrated with us because we don't do it until finally he's just like mad and he's like, I'm your dad. I told you to do it. Do it. And we see that even in churches, right? And on the radio we hear preachers and it, it seems like so often the sermon basically says, do better. Do better. And we want to do better, most of us. If we don't want to do better, we've got bigger problems than whether or not we can do better, right? But we want to do better, but we're left kind of thinking, okay, how? You know, and we feel guilty. Now, I want to think about something this morning because I, I think it comes back to this book and what we believe about this book and how we read it. Because this book has a message for us, and we can think that the message is basically do better, or we can believe maybe the message is a little bit different. So let's, let's start reading at Joshua chapter 1, and, and let's see what we can discover here today. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord says to Joshua, the son of Nun, not a nun, like not, not a priest and a nun, but the guy's name was none. Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, the Jordan River, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, that's the Mediterranean, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land and I, that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many of us would like to be more strong and more courageous than we are right now? And the rest of you are pretty much lying. So uh, strong and courageous. And yet God says this interesting thing here. He says, meditate on the law of the Lord. Do what the law says. So all they had, that's basically their Bible. All it was was the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Meditate on it. Think about it. Don't let it leave uh, your, your thinking and your your mouth. Do what it says. What is it about God's word that brings success? What is it about God's word that allows us to be strong and courageous? What we could think here is that the message is read your Bible more. Be strong and courageous. Do it better. Right? That would be the kind of easy way to read this text. And yet, I don't think that's what God is saying here. He's certainly not saying that to Joshua, and he's not saying that to us. We need courage. In an increasingly difficult world, we need courage. But we can't just oomph up the feeling of courage, right? It doesn't come from nowhere. And to tell someone to be strong and courageous with nothing to back it up is really kind of hurtful. But as believers in Jesus, we can be strong and courageous. We can be more strong, we can be more courageous than we are right this minute. And it has to do with the Bible, but it's not just about reading it more. It's about three truths about Scripture that if we can grasp those three truths, we can begin to grow in our strength and our courage. So here, here's the three truths. Truth number one. God is the central character of the Bible. God is the central character of the Bible. Now that may seem obvious, except for the fact that for most of us, when we read our Bible, we open it up and we want to look for ourselves. Right? We want to say, what does this mean to me? How does this help me? In fact, we might even play Bible roulette where we're having a hard time and so we say, okay, God, give me a verse. And we flip, flip, 
Okay, this says, O inhabitant of Lebanon, I don't live there, nested among the cedars, I don't live, doesn't have anything to do with me, how you will be pitied when pangs come upon you. Okay, so that was totally random. <laughs> but that's not encouraging. It's also not about me. But if I think it's about me, if I think the Bible's about me, if I think that to make the Bible relevant, it has to be about me or my friends or, but we aren't the central character. God is the central character in scripture. It's also not a book of rules. It's not primarily a book of do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. And it's not a book of magic. I had a guy in a church that I served a number of years ago who got up to talk about his ministry and he started by quoting scripture at length. Just verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. And, and then he ended up going really long in the service. And I asked him afterwards, I said, dude, I said, what's with just quoting scripture? He says, well, God has promised us that his word won't return to him void. And so if I start what I'm going to say by quoting a lot of scripture, then I know what I say will be effective. Like, oh, that's interesting. But that's like magic. That's treating the Bible as if they're magic words. You know, so if we pray in Jesus' name, then our prayers will come true. Or if we quote certain scriptures, then those things will happen. It's not magic. And, and it's not a book that's, that's basically about morals or ethics or behavior modification, trying to change the way we behave. Does God want us to change the way we behave? Well, most of us. But that's not the central issue. And we aren't the central character. God is the central character. So how many of you have seen a Star Wars movie? Everybody knows that the main character in every Star Wars movie is R2-D2. Right? Yeah, of course not. How about Matrix? See one of the Matrix movies? Morpheus? Well, he's my favorite character, but he's not the central character. How about the Lord of the Rings? Samwise Gamgee. Right? Yeah, he's the central character. It's all about Samwise. No, of course not. And yet, if we read those books or watch those movies with that idea that it's really about R2 or it's really about Samwise or it's really about uh, Morpheus, we're going to confuse the whole plot. And so that's what we do with the Bible. We don't understand God is the central character. This is a book that's primarily telling us who God is, what he has said, and what he's done. Who God is, what he said, and what he's done. The Bible starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it ends with, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It's about God. And the point of scripture is learning to know God. We don't read the Bible for means. We don't read the Bible so that somehow magically we'll be changed. We read the Bible to get to know its central character. God. 
So let me give you three questions to ask yourself when you read the Bible. You read a section of scripture, you know, you're like, okay, this is about Joshua. God's telling him to go in the promised land. What does this have to do about with me? Let me give you three questions that you can ask. Question number one, what does this say about who God is? What he said and what he's done. What is this revealing to me about God? And in this text, one of the things that we see that it's revealing to us about God is that he's faithful. He made a promise to Abraham like 600 years before, and now he's fulfilling that promise. He made a promise to Moses, and now he's fulfilling that promise. God is faithful. What does the text say about who God is? And then secondly, how is God's trustworthiness displayed? See, every page of this book argues for the trustworthiness of God. That God is trustworthy. So how do we see that in this text of Scripture? And then thirdly, how do we see grace? How do we see grace? Grace is one of the great themes of Scripture, and it's one of the defining characteristics of who God is. And so where do we see grace? So if we start to read the Bible to get to know God, who he is, what he said, what he's done, and we ask, what is God saying in this Scripture to me about his trustworthiness and about his grace? Then we start to get to know God which is a very different starting place than do better. We haven't talked at all about doing better. We've just talked about God exists, he's spoken to us through his word, and we can get to know him. So number one, the God is the central character. Number two, faith is the central theme. Faith is the central theme. Every page of the Bible argues for the trustworthiness of God. Now, imagine our father and daughter back at the hotel at the swimming pool. And imagine if the father had understood the daughter was scared and that that fear was rooted in the inability to remember the trustworthiness of her father. And so if instead of getting mad at the daughter as if, there was something wrong with her. I mean, she's scared. She's not going to remember anything, right? Instead, what if he had argued for his own trustworthiness? Hey, honey, you remember when it was your birthday and that mean kid was picking on you? And I intervened and said, hey, you can't treat my daughter that way. Remember when... gives three, four, five, six, eight, ten examples. What would that have done to her ability to trust that he's going to catch her if she jumps in the pool? See, the central theme is faith. And, and we can't have faith, we can't trust in someone we don't know. If I walk out the back here, take a right down the alley, and some creepy looking guy comes up and says, hey, you want to buy a a watch? Unless it's Mike, I'm probably going to say no, right? No, because 
I don't know this person. I'm going to trust them. Somebody calls and offers to sell you a whole bunch of Bitcoin. Out of the blue, probably not a good idea. Maybe even if you know them, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> right? We don't know. We don't trust who we don't know. So that's why getting to know God is so important. And see, faith is the most important thing about you to God. God isn't so concerned about your hair color, your beauty or lack thereof, about your what job you have. He's not so concerned about your family. He's not so concerned about all these other things that, that might define you in society. He's concerned about your faith. Concerned about your faith. Two scriptures, real quick. Hebrews says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because you must believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. It's the only place in scripture where God says, without this, it's impossible to please God. And that's faith. And then Peter says in one of his letters that faith our faith is more valuable, it's more precious, it's worth more than gold. Though gold is refined in the fire. It's the most precious thing that we have, is our faith. And it's the, our most defining characteristic to God. It's like, it's like Abraham Lincoln and his honesty. Right? It's his defining characteristic. It's like, like Tom Selleck and his mustache. We're known by our faith. It's the most important thing about us to God. And faith and obedience is based on, it's predicated upon God's promises. So, so look here what, what he does with Joshua. He says, look, Moses is dead. You're the man. You're in charge now. Go over this Jordan. You're going to lead the people into this land. But it's the land that I am giving to them. Every place you're, you stop, I have given it to you. Just as I promised Moses. All this land will be your territory. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I swore to their fathers that I'd give them this land. Be careful to do everything that's in the law, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Promise after promise after promise after promise after promise. You want to be strong and courageous? Get to know God through his promises. Get to know God. Faith is the central theme of scripture. It, it, imagine a tree for a minute and you've got the root, roots, you've got the trunk, you've got the branches, and then let's say it's like an apple tree. You've got the fruit. And the fruit, when the Bible talks about fruit, 
it often means the results of our lives, the results of what we do, right? We bear fruit, good fruit or bad fruit. So the results. The branches are our actions, our behaviors, what we do. So our behaviors lead to results. If we do certain kinds of behaviors, we have good fruit. If we have other kinds of behaviors, we have bad fruit. Then there's the trunk. And then down into the um, ground is our root system. And the root system is our beliefs. The things that we believe are true. And so people who say, do better, do better, change, be a better person, be a better Christian, what they're doing is they're looking at the results, the fruit, they're saying the fruit isn't what we want, so we have to step back and look at the behaviors. The behaviors aren't what they should be, so do better. Have any of you grown trees before? Any of you gardeners? Okay, gardeners. If the fruit in your garden, if the produce isn't what you want it to be, is the answer to wash the branches? Mm, probably not. It's probably something more fundamental that's wrong. Now, it may be that what is wrong is the root system. There may be beliefs in your life that are not true. And reading scripture and meditating on it and memorizing it will help those beliefs. But for a lot of us, our belief system is basically right. And so we say things like, how do I get that truth from my head to my heart? Right? So I'll do it. The answer is the trunk. And the trunk is faith. Because we can have the right beliefs, the right roots, but that won't get the energy up into our behaviors without faith. And so over and over, what the Bible is telling us is God is trustworthy. You can have faith. God is trustworthy. You can have faith. God is trustworthy. You can have faith. central theme is faith. But that faith isn't kind of like, like what is it? What is faith? What is trust, really? Well, faith is the willingness to act on the truth. Even if it's hard. So that leads to our third point. The first point is God is the central character of Scripture. The second point is faith is the central theme. The third point is courage is the central challenge. Courage is the central challenge because faith in a vacuum isn't much of a faith. Then it's just a belief system. And you can have any kind of old belief system. If it doesn't influence your behavior, there's no faith there. So Merriam-Webster says, courage is the strength to venture. I like that. It's the strength to venture, to act, to set sail, to do it. God's trustworthiness leads to faith. Faith leads to the courage to act. See, without risk, there's no faith, because if we knew what was going to happen, 100%, faith wouldn't be required. 
Without risk, there's no faith. And we saw in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we need the courage to act. But, but God loves courage. He loves initiative. He loves it when we act audaciously. And that's not what we hear in church very often, is it? That's not a do-better message. That's a, huh? God loves it when I act audaciously? When I move out in courage? When I show initiative? Yeah, you start to ask that question, you start to look at Scripture, it's all over Scripture. In fact, in this book, the book of Joshua, uh, Caleb who was one of the spies that went into the land 40 years before. He's 80 years old, and he comes to Joshua and says, God's preserved me, and here's where the giants in the land live. That's the land I want. Assign me that land. If God's with me, I'll go in there, I'll wipe them out, and I'll take that as my inheritance. And he does. Years later, Israel asks for a king, and so they have Saul as their king, and Saul has a son named Jonathan, and they're at war with the Philistines, and there's, they're kind of in this standoff, and Jonathan has been separated somehow from the rest of the Israelite army. It's just Jonathan and his, his uh, armor bearer, and they're at the bottom of this cliff, and up at the top of the cliff are a whole bunch of Philistines, hundreds of them. But, but they're at this kind of standstill, and they're just sitting around, and Jonathan looks at his armor bearer, we'll call him Steve, and he says, Steve, I'm tired of sitting around. Let's go up there and kick some Philistine butt. That's the John translation of Scripture. And Steve says, I'm with you. Let's do it. And so Jonathan says, so what we'll do is we'll start climbing up this cliff, and if the Philistines see us and say, hey, hey, here come the Israelites, you stay down there, we'll come down there and teach you a lesson. Well, then we'll know God's not with us, and so we'll turn around and run. If, on the other hand, they look at us and say, hey, here come the Israelites, come on up here, we'll teach you a lesson, well, then we know God's for us. And we'll go up there, even though it's two against several hundred. And so they start, the Bible says, kind of climbing their hands and their feet. And they get most of the way up, and the Philistines see them, and they say, hey, here come the Israelites out of their holes in the ground. Come on up here. We'll teach you a lesson. And so they do. They go up there, and what happens? God's with them. And they rout the Philistines, which leads to a rout of the entire Philistine army. See, God loves it when we show courage because of our faith. Now, he doesn't love us when we're stupid. You know, if you go up to the top of the Sears Tower and say, I have faith that the angels of God will catch me, and you jump off, well, I'll come to your funeral. Right? He doesn't tell us to be stupid. He doesn't tell us to make dumb moves. But the courage to act on faith that is rooted in who God is, what he said, and what he's done in his word, God loves that. Look at the New Testament. It's a really busy day for Jesus, and he's walking uh, down the road, and there's this woman who's had an issue of bleeding for years. I think it's like 20 years or something, right? Decades. And she's seen all kinds of doctors. They've just made it worse. And if you think about this, in addition to all of the physical 
problems that that would bring. There's all kinds of cultural problems too. So, so she would have been unclean because of this bleeding. So she would have been an outcast. She wouldn't have been able to live in town. She would have had to stay by herself. She would have had to let people know that she's un unclean. So shame and embarrassment, right? But somehow she's heard of Jesus and she knows something about who Jesus is and what he said and what he's done. And so that's given her enough faith to take some action. And she goes to where Jesus is and she slips through the crowd and she touches just the hem of his garment, which again was totally taboo. You didn't do that. A woman would never touch the hem of a man, but especially not a rabbi. Instantly she's healed. And what happens? Jesus is like, who touched me? Everybody's like, what, are you kidding me? He's like, no, who touched me? And she confesses what she did. And he says, your faith has made you well. Your faith. And so we see again, it, it, knowing something about who Jesus is, the faith to believe it, and that leads to the courage to act. And God loves that. He loves it when we show courage like that. So he tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? Because of who I am. Because of the promises that I've made to your forefathers and to Moses and to the people and now to you. Have faith and act in courage. Let me ask you this question. What is it that you need courage for today? What is the, the challenge that God is inviting you into that requires courage? Because I guarantee that there's something. Maybe it's to resist a sin that you've allowed to kind of have its way in your life. Maybe it's to speak up and share Jesus with others. Maybe it's to love your spouse in a way that's self-sacrificial. Maybe it's to find a job that fits you better even though you're scared to death to go out and work. I don't know what it is. But God knows. And he's not frustrated with you. He's not asking you to do better. He's asking you to get to know him. To remember what he has said in his word. To remember what he's done through Jesus Christ. To remember who he is and his character and attributes. And to allow that to penetrate your heart and grow your faith and give you the courage to do what he's challenging you to do. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you do not grow frustrated in us. I thank you, God, that even when we rebel against you, that those sins are covered in the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't just save us to kind of get rid of our past sins and now it's up to us to stay clean and good. But you got rid of all our sins, past, present, and future. 
And not only that, but you filled us with your Holy Spirit to empower us, giving us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Not only that, but you joined us to Christ so that we are in Christ and he is in us. Not only that, but you adopted us as heirs. Not only that, but you have given us a future and a hope. And when this life ends, we will enter a life that's beyond imagination. Not only that, but you rejoice over us with singing. Not only that, but in in Jesus, you came and experienced all of the hardship that we have experienced. Knowing hunger, knowing shame, knowing rejection, knowing pain. Not only that, but you know every single thing about us and have chosen us to know us. I pray, God, that when we open your word, that we would see you. And that we would get to know you and who you are. I pray that you would grow our faith and that you would give us the courage to act as if what we read is true, as if you are who you said you are. And as if you do want to act in our lives. And Father, in advance, in faith, we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise for what you will do through us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen.